All right, good morning, church. It is my joy and privilege to be here with you this morning, even though we are not here together and you're sitting um, in your chairs and couches at home. It is my joy to be here. So thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to share God's word this morning. Before we get into anything else, I would like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would be present here and in every home where this is heard this morning. God, would you speak into our hearts and our minds and bring your truth. Lord, that you would lead us to take away what you want us to hear and what you want us to take away and what you want us to do with our lives. And Father, I pray this morning with a, a deep sorrow in my heart for my city, Atlanta. Father, I pray that you would be with the family of Richard Brooks and the police officers who were involved in another tragic event last night. Lord, I pray that you would be with protesters and law enforcement alike. God, may your grace cover my city and this community and every community and city in our country. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We cry out for justice. We cry out for help. We cry out for hope. And Lord, only you can bring it. And so God, would you come and would you empower your church to be your hands and feet during this difficult, difficult time. Lord, we lift this these requests to you and, and this message to you now in Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot going on around the world right now, a lot of injustice that's being exposed. There is oppression that is coming to light. And at the root of it all, this does not demean anything, but the root of it all is sin, an issue of sin. This morning, what we're going to be talking about is Jesus' invitation to an abundant good life with him in light of the sin that is in the world. Over this last year, I've been on a journey where I've been exploring what it looks like to abide in Christ. My team in, in Atlanta, as, as I lead the navigator work in Atlanta, we've been digging into what does it look like to abide in Christ as Jesus in John 15 talks about this, the abiding life, to remain in him and dwell in him. And as we've been digging into this, one of the things that has come to the surface is Jesus' call and desire and even command for us to surrender to him. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is the surrendered life. The victorious surrender is the name of this sermon. Now, as I've, as I've wrestled through this, uh, one story has recently come back to my mind and my attention, and that's from several years ago. One of my closest friends, one of my best friends, a guy named Morgan, um, who lives in the Northeast, he and I were in a program together, a leadership program together, and we were goofing around like brothers and, and having fun, and, and the goofing around started to turn into a little bit more of a heated, I think, I think this is going to turn into a little bit of a wrestling match. And, and so he and I started kind of going at each other, wrestling. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm bigger than Morgan. I've got several inches on him. I think I'm stronger than Morgan. I'd like to think I'm faster than Morgan. 
I have got this. No problem. The match lasted all of 10 seconds, and I was not the victor in this. Morgan had pinned me down and, and led me into submission and said, do you surrender? To which my response before I ex- ex- endured extreme pain was, I surrender, I surrender, I give up. Well, what I didn't know was Morgan was a state champion wrestler in high school, and he knew all the tricks, and it was no problem for him to take me down. And I share this story because I think this is often how I viewed a surrendered life with Jesus. Like, Jesus wants to just pin me down into submission and, and surrender. And in my early Christian life, that's kind of how I viewed my relationship with God, that if I made a mistake or I sinned, he would lead me into submission and surrender. And that's not the Christian life. That is not the life Jesus has for us. And so I want to take that away and move that aside and to say the surrendered life is a life of abundance and victory that Jesus has for us. It is a good life. And so we're going to take a look at some invitations and some choices Jesus is laying before us to live the surrendered life. In 2012, my wife and I were leading a Navigator campus ministry at the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque, and we had hit a point where we started to think, God, do you have something else for us? Shortly after that, an invitation, an opportunity was extended to us to move to Atlanta, Georgia, and to start a new collegiate ministry work on campuses in Atlanta. Now, initially, my response to this was, no way, no thank you. Lord, I have grown up in the mountains. I love the West. I love recreation in the mountains. God, don't lead us to the city, the big city. And as I prayed through this and processed this and wrestled with this, I heard God speak to me in his word and through others. And and, and this is what he said, Clint, I have not called you to the mountains. I have called you to my people And the people I want you to go to are in Atlanta. And so we said, yes, Lord, we would love to go since you are leading us there. God, you've got to help us. You've got to go before us. And it really was an issue of surrender. It was laying down what I dreamed and desired for myself to follow Jesus. You see, as I minister with college students and young professionals and people in the workplace and people in churches in Atlanta, I've come to realize and identify that there is another epidemic in our church and in our culture. And that epidemic is that we are people who love the idea of Jesus as Savior, but we wrestle and struggle and don't like often the idea that Jesus is also Lord. You see, when the angels of the heavenly host came to the shepherds in the field when Jesus was born, in the nativity story, what we heard was a message from heaven that said, Behold, we bring you good news of great joy for all people, for here is a Savior who is also Christ the Lord.
reluctant to grab a hold of the Lord piece. But Jesus is Savior and Lord. And this morning, we're going to dig into what it looks like to live the victorious surrender as a Christian who sees Jesus as Lord. It is a life of victory, not defeat. So, from your couch, from your home, wherever you are, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 here together. Luke 5, 1 through 11. And I'm going to read this with us. Jesus is calling his first disciples here, and he, he says this in Luke 5, 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that is the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from Simon's boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he said, Simon, put out into the deep that water over there and let down the nets for a catch of fish. Now Simon answered him, Master or Lord, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that the boats began to sink. When Peter, Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish and that they had taken in. And, they were, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's fishing partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch people. You will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up onto the shore. And listen to this. This is so key. They left everything and they followed him. This story is so profound to me because I see here this instance where these men who were ordinary guys, they were professional fishermen. They were doing this their whole lives. They knew how to fish. They have come on a night where they can't catch anything. They're out all night long. They catch no fish, zero. Their nets are empty. They're tired. And at the end of the day, likely full of frustration, discouragement, their livelihood at risk. They don't have any money to, uh, to take in now because they have no catch of fish. Jesus comes along and he says, hey guys, why don't you go throw your nets in right over there in the deep where I know you've been fishing all night long and didn't catch anything. And these guys are like, are you crazy? We've been doing this all night. We know how to fish. 
But Simon Peter's faith is what takes their journey on a turn for an amazing, amazing story. It changes the world, ultimately. Simon says, we've done this all night, but master, because you say so, we'll do it. And we see this amazing catch of fish fill their boats, so much so that the boats sink, not just Simon's, but his partners, James and John's. He sees Jesus as Lord in this moment, and he's full of fear, honestly. And he says, Lord, apart from me, I'm a sinful man. If you knew who I really was, you would have nothing to do with me. If you knew the thoughts of my heart, you would want to have nothing to do with me. But Jesus says, follow me. I want you to be with me. I want to be with you. And so they left everything and they followed Jesus. Everything. Another one of the gospels accounts this is Jesus saying, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And and immediately, without even much of a thought, James and John, who are with their father Zebedee, the family business, they drop their nets right there at their dad and they take off for Jesus. They leave everything behind. My wife and I have, have recently been really enjoying this new series called The Chosen. It's a series about the life of Jesus, and, and it really portrays his humanistic side as well as his deity. But, but it was a be- it's a beautiful series, and there's one episode that portrays this event amazingly. And it really sheds light to what could have likely been happening among these people. They followed Jesus after having left everything. You see, the victorious surrender is a life where we choose to leave our desires, our ambitions, our goals that are self-seeking, self-centered, selfish, so that we may follow Jesus. We need to be willing to give up everything to come after him. This is what Jesus is inviting us to. It is a victorious life, this surrender. But here's what it means. We must give up control. We must be willing to give up comfort. You see, as Christians in our day and age, we love comfort. We love security. We love safety. We love control. But these are obstacles. These are hurdles and stumbling blocks to the victorious surrender, the surrendered life. Jesus doesn't ask us to come into a life of safety and security or a life of comfort and ease. In fact, he asks us to be willing to give those things up and trust him in faith that he will provide for us. The obstacles to the surrendered life are often ignorance and apathy where we say, I don't care enough or I don't want to know enough to follow him. The surrendered life is not a life that's convenient for me. The surrendered life is not a life that is forced submission. It's a choice we get to make and enter into. And so we're going to take a look at four invitations and four choices Jesus puts before us to live the victorious life surrender. The first invitation is in Luke 9, 
23 and 24. So turn with me there in your Bibles at home if you have your smartphone, your, your app on your phone, or your good old-fashioned paper Bible. Turn with me to Luke 9, 23 and 24, and let's read this together. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself or deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. Excuse me, Luke 9, 23 and 24. Jesus is giving us a cost for discipleship. The cost of discipleship is denying ourselves. But the first invitation Jesus gives is simply follow me, join me, enter into life with me, be with me, walk with me. Jesus gives us the invitation to follow him, but the first choice we must make is to deny ourselves. And this is illustrated well in one of my heroes of the faith, a man named Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott and, and three of his companions, his missionary friends, decided early on in their lives that they wanted to go bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. And one of the places that they developed a heart for and a passion for was Ecuador, a people, an indigenous tribe of people that had never heard the gospel before. They'd never heard about Jesus before. And so they fly into the jungles with a mission to bring the gospel of good news and hope and love and grace to these people who had never heard it. And this story does not end in tragedy, but it starts with tragedy. You see, as these men landed their plane, their first interaction with the Aqua people in Ecuador cost them their lives. They were speared to death and were killed. These men gave their lives to trying to advance the gospel. And what we know later on is that this tribe comes to know the gospel as the families of those men chose to enter in and still bring the gospel to them. But before Jim Elliot died, he wrote in a journal these words that have had a huge impact in my life. Jim Elliot wrote this. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You see, Jim Elliot lived and died by this principle and this idea that it is not foolish to give up our lives when we can't keep them, they're not our lives to keep. Instead, if we give our lives to gain that which we cannot lo lose, life with God, hope in Jesus, that is the real life. And in 1956, Jim Elliott was martyred for this because he took Jesus' invitation to follow him. And he made the choice to deny his own selfish and self-centered ambitions and goals to follow Jesus. The second invitation and choice Jesus gives us is in Romans 12, 1 and 2. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, Paul the Apostle, through God, by God, says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer or present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing and acceptable to God. This is your true and proper worship. In verse two, do not conform 
any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here in Romans 12, we have a second invitation and choice that our lives are desired to be given to God by him, not as dead sacrifices, as living sacrifices that we would offer our lives to say, God, what do you want of me? What would you have of me? One of my good friends in Atlanta, who's on my, my team with the Navigators, a man named Tyler. Now, Tyler uh, works with us as a volunteer leader. But Tyler is one of our most impactful leaders for the mission of the gospel in Atlanta. And it goes back to when he was in his 30s years ago. Tyler, in a, in a profession where he was making money well, he had a family that was growing. He had a lot of good things in his life. Hit a point where he realized there's got to be more. This is not all there is. This is, this is not as satisfying and fulfilling as I thought it would be. And so Tyler starts on this journey in his 30s to really discover and explore who Jesus actually is and what Jesus wants for him. And it leads Tyler to a group of other business and professional men who are studying the Bible and digging into what it looks like to have relationship with Jesus. And Tyler commits his life to the Lord, but more than that, he surrenders his life to the Lord. And in his surrender, he says, Lord, what would you have me do with my life? And fast forward many years later, Tyler, having wrestled with this idea, God, what do you want me to do with my life? He helps lead one of our most impactful networks of disciple makers in the city of Atlanta. Tyler works full-time as, as a real estate agent, as a realtor. He's in commercial real estate. This is his full-time job, but his life is a surrendered life of helping others know the same hope that he has. And Tyler invests his life in other business and professional leaders throughout North Atlanta. And hundreds of people throughout the city have been impacted by his surrendered life to Christ. You see, Tyler wrestled with whether or not to come on full-time missionary staff. And as he processed with the Lord, he really clearly heard the Lord say, Tyler, I want you to stay right where you are, doing what you're doing, and have an impact just like this. This is the surrendered life. So the second invitation that Jesus gives us from Romans 12 and that Tyler's life illustrates is a life of worship, a worshipful life, to worship Jesus. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. But the choice we have to make is to be transformed in the renewing of our mind and not conformed to the ways of this world. And this is especially hard in our time, I think, but Jesus is asking us to choose. And so my question to you is, will you choose to be transformed in following Christ, not be conformed to the way of this world? Jesus gives us another invitation in Galatians 2.20. Flip with me there to Galatians 2, verse 20. It reads this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life 
I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And here in Galatians 2.20, we see one of the most profound truths of the Christian life that when we choose to follow Jesus and live the victorious surrender, it is no longer our life to live. And this is illustrated, I think, well by another hero in the faith for me, a man named Justin Vandeventer. Justin Vandeventer was a public school teacher in Pennsylvania. He, he lived uh, his life to influence and impact youth, um, but to also impact people in his community. And while he was a public school teacher teaching music and art, he also wanted to be an evangelist. He just, he loved sharing the gospel with people. And so he embarked on this journey where he started wrestling with God. God, what do you want me to do with my life? Where would you have me go with my life? And he prayed and he processed this and he sought counsel. And in his searching, he wrote a song, a song that many of us may be very familiar with. His song is called, I Surrender All. He wrote this in 1896, processing whether or not God wanted him to continue being a teacher or become a missionary. And here's what he said, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. All to Jesus, I surrender. Humbly at his feet, I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me, Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit truly know that thou art mine. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. All to Jesus I surrender. Now I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory to his name. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. And Justin Vandeventer, he wrote these words in a genuine wrestling with God and came to a point where he said, God, it's not my life, it's yours. I've been crucified with you. I no longer live. You live in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in you. You see, Justin Vandeventer embraced this third invitation from Jesus. Jesus is inviting us to have life in him. Life in him. Jesus says, I want you to live in me and have life in me, an abundant life in me, a new life in me, a good life, an eternal life. But the choice you have to make that Justin Vandeventer made is choosing to live by faith, not by sight. Which may be especially relevant in this time of pandemic when there's tremendous financial uncertainty and there's tremendous health uncertainty. We're in a health crisis. We're in a crisis of racism and injustice in our country. Will you choose to live by faith and follow Jesus? That's the third choice. The fourth invitation and fourth choice is this. It's in 2 Corinthians 4. I'm, excuse me, it's in 2 Corinthians 5, <laughs> verses 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 5, turn there with me. You'll see it here. 
Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. Another translation says it controls us because we are convinced that one died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he, Jesus, died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. The love of Christ compels us. It controls us to live not for ourselves, but for him. And this is illustrated in the life of one of my dear friends in Atlanta, Emma. Emma is a a teacher. She works in the public school system in Atlanta. She used to be a missionary, and she moved back to Atlanta a few years ago and wrestled with, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And as she processed the gospel and the love of Christ for her and, and her desire to help other people, she realized the surrendered life for her was to go into the public school system and to be a voice for change and hope and counsel and guidance among school children. But more than that, she also has a passion for other young professionals, specifically 20-somethings right out of college. And so Emma works in the public school system, but her mission field is 20-somethings, young professionals and young business leaders in the city. And she helps us lead a network of young professionals in the city. She invests her life in young men and women who are newly in the workplace. Emma realized the fourth invitation, that Jesus is inviting us to know his love and to enter into his love. Jesus' love controls us. But we have to choose to let the love of Christ control us. Will you choose to be controlled by the love of Christ or by the world? Will you choose to be controlled by Christ's desires for you or people-pleasing? What will you choose to give your life to? You see, at the core of all this, this is not the surrendered life. The victorious surrender is not about us. It's not about the life we could live. It is a life of Christ that we enter into with him. That the gospel is that the God of the universe has come to be among us and with us and lead us into an abundant, good life. But there's a mystery in this. Because the victorious surrender is a life that is both public and private. It is a life when we say, I will surrender all to Jesus that is outspoken and quiet. It is a life that is no doubt going to be impacted with persecution, but also peace. You see, the surrendered life, the victorious surrender, will no doubt have suffering, but it will also have satisfaction. The surrendered life is a life of sacrifice, but it is also a life of abundance. The surrendered life is a life of sorrow, but it also is a life of joy. This is the mystery of the Christian life. We get to enter into. Don't miss what this is about. The goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, who has come to be Lord of our lives. So let me summarize the four invitations and four choices. Jesus is inviting us to follow him. 
Jesus is inviting us to worship him. Jesus is inviting us to have life in him. And Jesus is inviting us to know his love that surpasses anything else. But we must choose to deny ourselves every day. We must choose to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, not conform to the ways of this world. We must choose to live by faith and not by sight. And fourth, we must choose to let Christ's love control us. Will you choose to live the surrendered life? Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are worth it. You are worth it. Lord, there is no one who could satisfy and bring a desire to our hearts like you can. Jesus, you alone can lead us to victory as we surrender all. Jesus, you alone are good. You alone are worth following. You alone are worth giving our lives to. And I pray, Jesus, for everyone watching and listening now, whether we know you or not, God, that we would choose the victorious surrender and that we would experience the joy of knowing you. So Jesus, would you move, would you lead us, and would you fill us? In your name we pray, amen.